This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it on. He's up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that sometimes forgets its own bets. Remember when I used to do that at the beginning of the show? Uh, Stop doing that after a while. Uh, (laughs) I'm your college editor. Here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Ishmael Johnson on the other line in beautiful Austin, Texas is Mike Craven. Mike, how are you? Doing pretty good. Spring practice has started for all the teams across the state. So uh, you know, full go ahead. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh we'll we'll basically touch on that. What the the practice you were at this week, which was pretty I guess un I don't unexpectedly eventful, I guess. We'll see. Um, it was odd. It was definitely yeah. odd. We'll see. We'll we'll talk more about that. Uh, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Um, of course, we'll, we'll hit on that uh, coming up soon. Of course, usual with us, making sure you can hear us and making sure this is posted correctly and appropriately. Mallory Hartley, everyone's favorite Mal pal. Hello, appropriately. Hi. That's good. Yeah. That's a good adjective <laughs> for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I guess some a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we added a new podcast to the network, um, Squaring Around with Texas State. Of course, Jacob Rodriguez uh, down in there in San Antonio. He's the producer. Uh, let me make sure I got that new station right. I want to plug his job correctly. Um, he's a producer at Ken's Five now, down there in San Antonio. Uh, I believe he was just after me when I uh, after I graduated. And Andrew Zimmel, who's in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. I forgot which. He's somewhere up there, um, but he works in the Midwest area. They both have a Texas State podcast, uh, covers all Texas State sports. Um, so they've, they've done interviews. They have a YouTube page. Go check that out. They're joining the Republic of Football Network. So we're very excited about them. We have some more potentially in the works. So we'll be announcing some hopefully within the next week uh, as well. So yeah, we're, we're getting this thing rolling. So if you haven't, if you're listening to this, you're a first time listener. Hey, what's up? Uh, we are the, I guess, the the flagship podcast, <laughs> Republic of Football. Um, we cover everything in the state. Uh, uh, Division one, I'll say. We do have a uh, sub-FBS pod that we do, um, that Corey Hogue does with Mike Craven. That'll start back up around football season. Um, or we'll do, you know, they might have one or two in the offseason, just depending on the news. Uh, but yeah, so welcome to the network if you are new here, and welcome to the show. What is that, A? Uh, I think that's about yeah, man. That's 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 nuts. When we first started this idea, I didn't think we'd have eight by the end of March. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, you guys are killing. We're it. gonna ha- we're gonna have more by the end of March. So yeah, um, the goal is to get quick, to thirteen, man. and I, I think we're gonna get there by the start of football season. Shoot, shoot, we might get there by the end of April. Who knows? I almost cussed. I was about to say I've been, listening to, I've been listening too much between two. Bears. Between, I was I gonna say cussed. this is not that. This is not that. <laughs> I, I almost cussed. I signed them up. I signed them up so we could get a little bit looser on our on our rules here. So we'll see. How <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah. By the way, if you have noticed, uh, we have a little a new little e on the <laughs> on the on the podcast label, um, <laughs> of course, because we, of course, we uh, the college 
college podcast, we can be a little bit more loose compared to say Texas football today who talks about high school kids. Um, but of course, you know, now that we're adding other shows and we're not trying to change their content and especially, you know, it, it basically is if everything's in good nature, it's whatever. And so, um, you know, we're kind of bringing on these shows as is, and we don't ask people to change for, for us. So we're we'll all adapt grown. for them. We're, yeah, all we're, all, we're all grown and we'll adapt for them. Right. We, we said, Hey, look, we had this podcast. They probably cuss a little more. Okay. It's fine. We'll add explicit on our, on our end, but it's no big deal for us. So as long as people are enjoying it. And, uh, by the way, they just had Ryan Nanny on, which is like one of the bigger guests I think we've had on this network in general, like going back to as long as this podcast has existed. So that was pretty cool. Uh, if you haven't listened to between two bears. All right. So I mentioned a little bit off the top about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, off the top, we're going to go with AM because that's where Craven was this week when they started spring camp. And at the end of the show, we're actually going to add a little bit of March madness flavor in. We're going to add, we're going to talk about the best coach in Texas that would potentially or best football coach I should say in Texas that would be the best college basketball coach we'll get to that at the end um but first Craven you mentioned it it was a little odd in college station um of course AM had their <laughs> kicked off their spring practice and naturally there was a lot of attention paying being paid to the quarterbacks um I think Travis Brown tweeted out a video of Jimbo Jimbo Fisher watching the quarterbacks and but, but it was Bobby Petrino new offense coordinator who was working with them and he said it was uh, it was a little odd to see Jimbo like not as vocally involved. Obviously, he was letting Bobby seemingly take control of that. But then afterward, um, oh, it was before. Oh, before, before. Sorry. So A and M A and M does it in a weird way. They had okay. So uh, they do before, then they let yeah. you observe a little bit afterward. Right. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So before, which I guess this is why the tweet kind of came out because he kind of had to answer a little bit about this. Naturally, people wanted to know about Bobby Petrino and the collaboration process with him and Jimbo. And theoretically, Bobby's going to be calling plays, people presumed. And somebody asked, uh, who was it? Did you see who asked about the quarterback battle? Or the, the it was off, uh, the one of the writers from the newspaper there and Brian. Okay. So it was one of the Brian, Brian uh, College Station Eagle guys. They asked, hey, so is Bobby Petrino going to be calling plays? This is, you know, more or less, this is offense. And Jimbo gave like the most non-committal answer, I think, which is says a lot. Uh, quote, by the way, this is Craven's story on uh, the that press conference. You can go check it out right now on texasfootball.com. Uh, Jimbo Fisher said, quote, I mean, we'll go through that as we go. Plan on Petrino calling plays. I have no problem with that. Which, again, if you read into that, he's basically saying, yeah, I'm going to tell you that Bobby's calling plays. But like, I don't, I don't in a way, it was like, I don't know. You, you Craven, you you can you were there, you saw his body language and how he answered that. But everybody that read it on Twitter when that quote got circulated was like, that sounds not very committal. And there was a pause, right? Like the okay. question the question was asked, um, who's gonna call plays? And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we'll go through that as we go. And then there was a follow-up, like oh. a a kind of <laughs> quick, like, so yeah. are y'all gonna switch plays? Are y'all gonna alternating and that's when jimbo goes well just playing on him calling plays he can call plays I, i'm fine with that right and it right. and it started this was like the sixth or seventh question the first question jimbo didn't even let finish right like mm. somebody started asking a question you could tell it was about petrino and jimbo went right into like we're just doing execution we're not doing any scheme stuff like we're going to get this out of the way now we're not doing any scheme we're not doing anything yeah. new uh we're running our stuff we're going to just worry on execution 
Uh, and then he went on a Sam Khan asked him a question and he went on a, a on a rant about how all the offenses in college football are the same. I you remember know? I saw that quote. I read that like in your story. You, yeah. <laughs> if you really just watch, if you just watch college football, you know, that because we don't, you know, so if you really just watch, right, college, yeah. if you really just watch college football, it's all the same. Everybody's running the same plays. Everybody's running the same offense. Right? Everybody's running the same route tree, which is probably news to like Rhett Lashley and Zach Kitley and, <laughs> and some of those guys. But like, uh, like it was just weird. Like spring football is where hope springs eternal. Right. Mm-hmm. Like everything is positive. You walk out of rice thinking the owls are going 12 and 0, right? Like everything is new. Everything is good. All these new guys are in. Everybody's feeling good. Cream rising to the top. We got rid of some some riffraff from the last class. We're going to be even better. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the mood of spring and it's softball questions. And you get to set up your team and rah rah, all that stuff. Right. And Jimbo didn't take that. Instead, it felt like they just lost to Ole Miss. Like it really did feel like we were in a press conference after a game that lost instead of a press conference before the first spring practice of the year. And what struck me as odd was they had three months to come up with what they were going to say here. Like everybody knew what the questions were going to be about. Jimbo's not a mm-hmm. dumb guy. Like he's a smart dude. He, he knows what's going to be asked. He knows what's going to be talked about. AM has plenty of money. I'm sure they have a marketing department, a PR firm and all that kind of stuff. He could have just talked to somebody and just had them prepare a thing. Like we're excited to have Bobby Trino. He's a great coach. He's going to add something to this offense. We'll, We'll develop how we're going to dictate who calls what and who calls what later at a different time right now. I'm just happy to have him in the room sharing his offensive ideas. Boom, we're done. Like nobody has to write anything. Nobody has to get weird. Uh, But yeah, after after Jimbo left, we all kind of just looked at each other and just kind of giggled really, you know, just like, what What was that, man? That was (laughs) the weirdest thing I'd ever been a part of. And so- uh, Tom Herman had an intro- introductory press conference that got weird behind the scenes when he first got there, where he kind of invited everybody to have some pizza and an off-record conversation. Yes, yep, I remember that, that got weird. This was probably the second weirdest thing I've ever been a part of as a media because it just seemed unnecessary. Like it just seemed combative in a way that wasn't wasn't there. And so, right, I worry. I worry that that's a sign of something. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's just Jimbo not giving a crap about what we think and talking to us. And he probably, mm-hmm. he may have not even thought about it till five minutes before he walked in the room. Like, oh God, I got to go talk to these idiots. And that's fine. Right. Like that, that could obviously be the answer. And I, more than half are dumb, right? So, so I get it. It's just, why? Like, why? Why invite all these conversations? Yeah. It, to me, it feels like a guy who, and this is, this is kind of the crossroads he's in as you know, he, you know, he's what 10 years removed now from his, from his national title and probably his peak as a, as a play caller and an offensive mind. This is what like, it's what stood out to me about that is I don't think he was ready for and whether or not he should have been ready. Yes. That's probably a different conversation, but I don't think he was ready or prepared to answer the Nick Saban questions, right? Like Nick Saban, is yes, yeah, somebody's going to ask me about my new coordinator, right? Somebody's going to ask me about the defense. Somebody's going to ask me about this, right? And Jimbo is not used to saying that. Like he's not used to again, we we talked about how that's been that's going to be the question mark is he's not used to delegating the offense, right? He's used to that's been his thing the whole time. And so, but when you ask any other a Nick Saban, a Dabo Swinney, all these about a new hire somewhere, 
They're like, oh yeah, here's the responsibilities that I am delegating to this person. Exactly. Boom, boom, boom. You don't have to talk about scheme. You don't have to do like, yeah, it's spring. Everybody's first like week of spring is just the basics, right? The fundamentals. No one's doing scheme that hardcore in the first week, but you don't have to, Jimbo didn't have to say that. Like Jimbo didn't have to say, well, everybody's running the same. It was like, nobody asked that. Like nobody asked, like, we're just, we just want to know what Bobby Petrino is going to be doing. And he could have, like you said, he could have easily just said, yeah, you know, right now we're just kind of in the basics of spring ball. He's working with the quarterback drills and blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to work the play calling into that, blah, blah, blah. Here's a, but instead, yeah, it was like a, yeah, I don't know. We'll go, we'll kind of work it out. And, you know, it's, it's like, that's so, to me, that's somebody who's not used to explaining what he's actually, uh, what somebody that he's hired to take up a part of his job is actually doing. Right. And so it's, it sounds like he's a little uncomfortable with that kind of role so far. Yeah. And, and that was the big question, right? It's like, how do those two egos deal with each other and play off of each other and let, let each other have space. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why my notifications are on for this thing uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> and so like, it just felt, it felt like it was something that like he was still upset over maybe, sure. you know, that like yeah. still rubbed him the wrong way that he was the like combative. Yeah made to go get an OC either by perception or reality. I don't know if somebody came into the room and told him, Hey, you're getting an OC or whatever, you know, I don't know, right. but it feels like he was pressured or, or thought he needed to go in this direction and he's not overall happy with it. At least that's how I can, again, it could be completely different. They could be, you know, yucking it up behind the scenes, like laughing about this right. stuff. Like we have no idea. Uh, but it just felt like one of those deals that was like, man, you had three months and this is what we got. This is like, this is, this is where we're at with this conversation. And uh, I'd imagine, you know, Anaya Smith had talked 30 minutes before then. And somebody asked him like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about the new offense? And he was like, I know half as much as y'all do. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's different. <laughs> I don't know. It's the same. Like, I, I think it's, we're going to go fast. We're going to go score touchdown. You know, like he didn't even know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's just a very interesting time. And the thing that, I mean, I love Jimbo as a, as a media guy, cause he'll tell you more than he's supposed to like Jimbo mm. will, will, will stop talking as it like, cause that's like what he's thought of in his head. He's supposed to say, but then he has something in him that he cannot help to continue on his thought, like whatever's going on in his brain was his thought. So I think in his head, he was like, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. That's he was going to just dismiss all of that stuff, but he couldn't help himself going, but yeah, just let him call. You know, if y'all want to, if y'all want to assume that he's calling plays, I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't right. Cause I still don't think he really said Petrino's calling plays. I think he meant like, y'all can assume he's calling plays or y'all can, y'all can, sure, you can take it how you play. want. Right. Like I, I still think that's what he meant. So it was, a, it was a weird start to spring. Uh, and I, I think if you're an A&M fan who was hoping that cooler heads were going to prevail and this was going to be drama free and everybody was kind of making too much of it. I think after the first press conference, you go, uh Oh, uh, we're going to have to figure this thing out. And when it's the fourth quarter and you're trailing 17 to 13, how's this thing going to look? Did you ask him yeah, why he won't come on our podcast? No, no, no. He, Why not? No, that's the main I, question here. I, I think we saw. I think we saw why he wasn't going to come on the podcast. <laughs> that's, right? that's a good point. Like, he he didn't want to be at his like press conference, and he's getting paid a lot of money to be at those press conferences, right? He's not gonna. He's not gonna do extra press conference stuff. <laughs> right. and, I, I, and I don't blame him. You know, they're coming off a five win season. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it's, it's, a, it's a tough it's, year for them. Yeah. Stress is high, and like we can yeah. joke about his buyout and that. Like, what what are they going to do? Give him eighty million dollars and tell him to walk out the door like i'd do anything for somebody to give me 80 million he still has he still has pride he's still like these guys they get yeah. to that 
that spot for a reason, you know, like he's been doing this his whole life. He wants to prove everybody that they're dumb and they don't know what he's talking about. And if he can just get his guys to execute and play better, they're going to be good. And you know, yeah. he may be right. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, you know, Craven, you started your uh, best case, worst case series on the, on the website, you know, and A&M dropped uh, yesterday or yesterday. Yeah. We're recording on Wednesday or dropped on Tuesday. Um, let's talk, let's keep it on the Aggies a little bit and talk about that piece a little bit. Um, so far, you've done Texas, AM, and TCU drop today as we're recording. So if you haven't, go read go read those. Um, the Texas one especially has gotten picked up pretty well. So, you know, on that note, right, so much – the reason why people are so eager to talk about Bobby Petrino and the offense is everybody knows what this season hinges on, right? Everybody sees – everybody saw the issues last year. People can – Jimbo can say, oh, yeah, everything's run the same. Sure. Yeah, sure. You can say that, but obviously things aren't maybe executed per the white way or they're just frankly not the same. Right. Which is probably more accurate. Um, So you bring in a guy who I don't want to say is the virtual opposite of you because that's not necessarily true, but somebody who's had run different concepts historically than you, somebody like a Bobby Petrino, you know, Craven, when you're looking at this team, you know, is it as simple as 2023 hinges on that relationship plus whatever they do at quarterback with Connor Wigman or whoever, you know, they decide obviously presumably Connor Wigman, but um, whoever's at quarterback and the offense, is it as simple as that's the make or break for this season? I think what's hard for Texas A&M is like, what is success? Because you can be a yeah. pretty good football team and win eight games and that's not going to feel like success in college station. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. if, if we're in this and we're in this mode of they need to be winning 10 games and, and competing for sec championships, I mean, it's going to be tough. They have a lot of questions to fill, right? That offensive line was not very good uh, Mm -hmm. last year. And so even if Connor Wegman takes a big step forward and all those weapons on the outside are as good as we think that they're going to be, and I think they're going to be great on the edge, uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to replace Devon A-Chain and a way uh, to block better and protect Connor Wegman and keep him healthy. That's something they haven't done. Their starting quarterbacks have been injured pretty early in the year, the last two years, right? So they're mm-hmm. going to have to get better uh, in that way. And then also, you know, we spend so much time talking about the offensive side of the ball because it's fun and the Bobby Petrino thing. And, and it's just like, as football fans, we all just kind of gravitate towards the offensive side of the ball a little bit more. That defense was 123rd in rushing last year. Mm. They were 111th in sacks. And that's with a front line that is all high four-star, five-star talent, right? And so like, I think for me, I mean, they were a bad defense with the number one passing defense in the nation. Like they had the best pass defense in the nation and then the 123rd uh, best or worst uh, uh, rush defense. That's with 131 FBS teams. So they were bottom of the barrel uh, rushing. This will be year two under DJ Durkin. I think there's as many questions about the defense, especially in that front seven, as there is about the offense. They're going to score points. I think with Bobby Petrino there with a good quarterback, with Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad and Donovan Green, like they're going to score a point. Can they stop teams in an SEC that's not the beat them up, win 10 7 like it used to be? Teams go score points. They're going to have to get much better on that side of the ball to go win eight, nine, 10 games. Cause if you look at the schedule, I mean, it, it's tough every year, uh, but it's definitely tough this year. Yeah. I was about to say, you have, and like even the teams that theoretically you would have on paper for them to maybe win or be favored in. They're not like 
like I look at at Miami, right? On paper, probably say AM, but I mean, I don't know. That's a second year under Mario Cristobal. I don't know what they're going to be scheming to probably improve on. Um, Auburn's up in the air just because I don't know what Hugh, Hugh Freeze is going to be like in his first year, right? Tennessee loses obviously a big senior class, but it seems like, I don't know, Hypel's doing some pretty good things there. So even the games that you're like, oh, they may be favored in, I'm not certain yeah i'm definitely not certain or confident uh old miss seems to reload every year so i don't think that'll be an issue for them um i think yeah i i you brought up a good point because the biggest thing for me with AM, and this even goes back to this even goes back to like someone post manzel when's the last time you had fun watching an AM offense like, when's the last time you, yeah yeah that was probably it and like that's one year really that I can really look to to be like, man, that was off. That offense was kind of fun. And now, they, Devon had studs. Chains, they had studs at running back with Travion right. Williams, Devon A. Chain. Yes. Like they were, they were fun because it was like, who's that guy? You know, running right, the ball. right, right. hundred percent. Like, don't get me wrong. Devon A. Chain is a fun player. He was not fun to necessarily watch for A&M. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, to me, I would just like to have fun watching this team again every time. And you could, you were at the Miami game, correct? Yes. So you remember how unfun that game was? To yeah, be that was uh, the worst night of my college football season in 2022. Not because, and it was one of it was because it was a very boring game, but it yes. also started at 8 p.m. for some uh, ungodly yeah. reason. That. And then I'm an idiot and didn't get a hotel because, like, I don't know if you've ever tried to get a hotel in College Station on a game night. Yeah, I mean, you're bad. driving half you're driving halfway to wherever you're going back to anyway. So it's was like, right. well, why am I going to get a hotel in Bastrop? I'll just keep going right. all the way to like my girlfriend's house in Austin. Uh, I got yeah. home at two 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. Like it was, it was awful. awful. After, After watching, watching that, that game, nine game, I should have <laughs> taken a nap in the second half. Uh, it was, it was absolutely awful, but I mean, you're right. Like they're, there, how many times are you watching AM play and go, man, that was cool, that was a cool design, or that was a good right, play? Call right, yeah, that. it's mostly just you like know? it's either just Evan Stewart or Moose Muhammad making a great right. play instead of like, oh man, that was because like Sark's first year, right? You were like, uh, oh, this team, this team's probably not very good right now, but you saw fun things yeah. happening, the right? script was like, always fun, yeah, and you're like, man, yeah. this is cool, there's some concepts going on here, right? Right, that I cannot remember the lot, like again, even when even growing up, right. Texas had the bigger success on the field, but it was always like, I mean, Reggie McNeil would do some cool stuff, right? Stephen McGee was kind of fun to watch. And it was always like entertaining in a way. And for the past couple of years, I don't know if it's just like that transition from being, I don't say gimmicky is the wrong word, but like, you know, AM in the past had to do different things to kind of compete with Texas when they did, when they weren't putting the money in originally. Now they are, I don't know if it's the transition of kind of them becoming more of a, you know, we just have better athletes than you and we can beat you up kind of thing. Or like, or if it's something that has been just like in Jimbo's offense where it's just like, yeah, it's not the most fun to watch and get over it. You know, we're just going to try to win games regardless. Um, in my opinion, that's at least the thing I'm looking for with Bobby Petrino, right? They might not be top 15 this year. I'm looking at least like not want to turn off the game, right? That's yeah. that's kind of my, the bar's on the floor. But again, the bar's been there for about 10 years now, as far as I'm concerned with AM. And then one final point on this best case, worst thing. This is the yeah. thing that concerns me about Texas A&M. I can go through the schedule and get to 10 and 2. Sure, sure. Like, I can go down the schedule and be like, they lose <laughs> Alabama at home. They lose at LSU the last week of the season. They can they can beat all these other teams. Yeah. But I can also see 5 and 7 again. <laughs> I was about to say, there's some coin flips that you're flipping for A&M in, the other, I mean, in, at, in this scenario. At Miami, 
That Arkansas game is always weird. Alabama, probably a loss. At Tennessee, at Ole Miss. South Carolina has gotten weird. That's becoming like this weird rivalry that, mm-hmm. that's building up. Uh, and at LSU, that's seven. That's seven mm-hmm. right there. They're at five and seven right there. And so that you you shouldn't – Georgia doesn't have that. LSU mm-hmm. doesn't have that. Alabama doesn't have that. I'd argue Texas probably is getting away from having that anymore. Oklahoma rarely has that. They had it in their first year under a new head coach. Those are your peers. Yep. Right. Your your peers aren't Arkansas, or they they at least shouldn't be with the amount of money that you're putting into the program. And so you need to be more of the like a bad year's eight wins, uh, mm-hmm. not five. And in year right. five, you're five and seven going into year six, and you can't answer questions about the coordinator. I just, it's hard. It's hard to feel super optimistic right now in a time when we're supposed to be talking ourselves into like, you know, watch out. AM may have like the biggest gain in like win totals, you know, year over year from last year to this year. I I joked with Sam Khan. I go, I had already started doing like kind of the magazine forecasting stuff for each team mm-hmm. just to kind of see where I, I kind of like saw myself in terms of like how I feel about them. And uh, I had A&M at a certain number and we walked out of there and I go, oh, I guess I got to take a loss off of, you know, I got to take a win off of A&M, you know, it was like, they just went from eight and four to seven and five. And Dave Campbell. Yeah. You just like, you just get that little, little bit of pessimism in there. You're like, Oh, actually this might not work out. Vibes matter. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like you can kind of pick up on that stuff a little bit when you're around these programs, like, Oh man, this place is kind of, kind of in a weird spot or this place yeah. seems like everybody's awesome or that dude's about to get fired. You can kind of feel that stuff. Uh, and it felt like a weird kind of tension built room at the time. Yeah. Before we get to our, before we get to the, the college basketball parallel topic, um, you know, you mentioned the defense. Let's do, let's talk about that. Cause you did put together, you, you completed your position uh, ranking series, Texas tens last week. And ended with safeties who, you know, AM was going to have a pretty good uh, leader up there with Damani Richardson. Uh, was on the cover in 2021 of Dave Campbell's. And so he, you know, he's a. That's crazy, by the way. Right? That is he's, crazy. He's still, he's still around after being on the cover, like what, two seasons ago, three seasons yeah, ago? Yeah, two seasons ago, man. I mean, geez. Um, he's kind of, he might be, I think, is he the last of that, that new wrecking crew? He's got to be. He's got it. I mean, him and Anaya Smith, I think, are like mm-hmm. two of the only four or five guys left from that first Jimbo recruiting class. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but on that, you know, you mentioned kind of the the two way nature of this defense. How in one phase of the game they were absolutely locked down, then they get absolute they were absolute saloon doors as far as the run game was concerned. You know, looking at honestly looking at these Texas tens, you have a lot of Aggies on a lot of these lists, right? What are you are you expecting? Did they show you enough last year slash did they make enough improvements in the off season to kind of say, well, I think the run defense can balance out. Or is it just like, I don't think they could be as bad as they were last year. Well, some of it's that some of it is part two. Like they have to get Uh better. They're, they're way too talented to be 123rd in rush defense, 111th in sacks. But I do think the secondary is going to be really good. Like they lose Antonio Johnson. They lose Mm -hmm. Jalen Jones. Uh, you know, but they get Damani Richardson back, as we talked about. They bring in Tony Grimes. They bring in Sam McCall from Florida State, you know, to, to help with that cornerback position. Bryce Anderson's becoming a star, you know, quietly out there in college station. So I think the secondary is going to be fine. And then the defensive line, you look at it and, like, they have to be good. Like, right. When I start talking about Shamar Stewart and Shamar Turner and Fidel Diggs and, and McKinley Jack, like, those, those guys are dude. Like, those are future mm-hmm. NFL players. Like, they have to be yeah. pretty good. For me, it's the linebacker spot. 
Like that yeah. is my main concern uh, for Texas A&M. And by the way, they lost their A&M. Uh, they lost their linebacker coach. He left uh, to go be back with Mike yeah, Elko at Duke yeah. or whatever. So they lost a very talented young uh, coach in that one as well. And so uh, for me, they didn't really add a lot to that. You look at it, they they added uh, Andrew Ciano from Rice, who solid player, but he's not going to come mm-hmm. in there and take Edrin Cooper's job. He's not going to take uh, right. Chris Russell's job. And so, you know, he's going to be more of a depth player, uh, but I don't know who they have behind behind Russell and Cooper. And those guys weren't adequate last year. They just weren't. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're going to have to get better inside the box. And that starts at that linebacker position. You look at the best run defenses across the nation. It's not all a defensive line. It's linebackers. Sure. I do uh, the Aggie war pod with Jay Arnold, who's a former defensive lineman at, at Texas A&M. And he's talked about for a couple shows now that it's not talent. It's not guys getting blown off the ball. It's not guys not being able to run down running backs. It's run fits. It's like mm-hmm. mental stuff that under year one under defensive coordinator, they were not on the same page. Year two, there is no excuses for that. They need to be better fundamentally. And if they're not, they're going to end up more worst case than they do best case. Sure. No, I think that's a good way to put it. It's like people, that's how, like, in my opinion, when you look up the top tacklers in the country, you know, that's how it's always an inside linebacker, right? It's because they are, they're the ones plugging the middle, right? They're the ones that can scan the field, see if something's go to the edge, boom, they could, they're sideline to sideline. They can plug the middle. Yeah. They, they play such a huge, a huge role in that run stopping. Cause yeah, once they break that first level, which more often than not, yeah, a team is going to break the first level, whether it's for one yard, two yards, or whatever. They're going to get by the defensive line more often than not. That's why defensive linemen don't have all the tackles on a team, right? It is typically that second level because, yeah, sure, when you're when you're matching up hat for hat with an offensive lineman, you're probably going to get pushed out of the way because you may be outnumbered or just that's how things work um, matchup-wise. So, yeah, I kind of... They have to get better, but in a way, I'm still in a wait-and-see kind of thing because it's like, man... We'll see. I mean, d- maybe it gets better from the defensive line being better, right? Maybe they're they can get some of those stops early in the deep in the linebackers. Maybe and Edron Cooper maybe doesn't have to make some of those as many stops as he was last year. Last year, I don't know, but yeah, in a way, I definitely just hope that talent just wins out for their sake. I mean, there you can't be that bad at stopping the run when your defensive tackles are McKinley Jackson, Shamar Turner, Walter Nolan, Isaiah Rakes. Oh, and then sure. yeah, D- DJ Hicks is showing up in the summer. You know, like, right. they, yeah. they, that's just too much talent to be that bad at stopping the run. It can't be a talent sure. thing. It has to be a scheme, fundamental, just lack of, of continuity thing. And you would hope year two under a coordinator fixes a lot of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's close out with some March Madness talk. We're in the midst of... Uh, Who'd you pick, by the me? way? Oh, I picked Alabama. I picked Bama. Uh, two of my final four is already out. I had Marquette and uh, Kansas, um, but I have Texas and Alabama. So things ones. are looking okay for me. I have a, I, I'm right. I think on our office pool, I'm ranked like fourth, but I have like a hard cap since half of my final four is already out. <laughs> Mallory, you also picked Alabama? I picked Alabama. I have in my final four, I had Marquette, Alabama, Houston, and then Gonzaga. So I have three left. Huh, okay. Glad Marquette. Better than out. I did. What about you? I also picked Alabama because oh, we are go. basketball. Podcast. We are. Yeah. I, uh, Alabama over Houston. I also have Gonzaga in there. Uh, I can't remember which team got knocked out of the other side. It was one of the, I think I may have had Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's been, it's or been a really weird year. I, I think Marquette. I went. Yeah. The Marquette. Oh, don't get me started. Um, 
it was it was a weird year heading into the tournament where I was like, I feel confident about none of these teams except Alabama. And so like I feel like a lot of those one seeds, which almost has almost happened, I felt like this could have been a year where none of the one seeds make the final four. Yeah. Um, I honestly which, think I mean, that Alabama's been the most impressive so far, too. I mean, most impressive. I haven't worried about them. Yeah, right. I haven't worried about them, which is crazy. (laughs) I haven't heard. Exactly. Exactly. I want Houston, Texas so bad on Sunday. The drama, the drama, man. That'd be, that'd also be a bloodbath, just play style. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And a peek behind the window. I'm going to Hawaii next week and our layover is in Las Vegas on Sunday. So if it's, and it's early in the morning, the layover. So I'll be able to get some legal gambling in off an app while in the airport. Then hopefully cash it on the way back. Uh, so so that'll be nice. You don't have to go. You can go watch a. You can watch North Texas while you're there. The final oh, four yeah, the NIT. NIT. Probably not going to do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. I got a beach. Uh, I got a beach to be at. I got a you beach to be at. The North Texas Final Four NIT. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't taken a vacation day since August 27th of last year. Like I am. I am yeah, absolutely not going to you're watch due. North Texas and Vegas. That is that he is hundred percent Texas, Wisconsin. Not happening. Yeah. Y'all won't even know where I'm at. I was about to say Texas, uh, North Texas, Wisconsin, like the like probably like the most unwatchable game of the weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like right. play style yeah. wise. I have no problem sleeping. It's gonna be very slow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on that note, you know, to me, March is the best sports month of the year. Um, so much going on every weekend. It feels weird when you have the days when like like now where it's like, oh, there's no games on after games constantly for like five days straight. Um, That is a fun debate to have, like best sports month. We could we should table that. We should table that. We'll table that for when you get back from your vacation. That's actually not bad because that'll be uh, a March will be over with. So um, let's look at it. I had this topic proposed just because I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think. Out of every college football coach in the state, this could be FBS, FCS, I don't care. Um, who would you think would make the best college basketball coach? Because we're seeing a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of different personalities and a lot of different styles kind of went out, right? You have um, you have the calm, cool demeanor like a Rodney Terry, right? But you also have the guys kind of yelling their brains out like a Tom Izzo um, or there you go, shout out to Mallory. Um, or like a Bruce Pearl before he got eliminated, right? Just turning red constantly on the sideline. Um <laughs> You know, what do you, what do you, who do you, who do you guys think would be the top? Cause I think I have one that maybe it's just how I prefer basketball to be played and kind of how I envision a coach. Um, but I have one that's pretty clear for me. And I'm curious what you guys think. Do you want to hear from my first? Mallory, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Um, go I think Dave Aranda. Come on. That was, was that yours? <laughs> that was just really because mine. He's so philosophical. And yes. I don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's ever played basketball at any kind of level. I mean, high school, nothing, I but I, I think that it. he would just be able to get behind his players and learn them really well and just know what works, you know, I, to be fair. I think yes. Dave Aranda could coach any kind of, any kind of sport, but I really I think see him on he like would the... make a good basketball coach. I see. It's the, it's the, the demeanor gets me because it's like the arms crossed thing where he's just on the mm-hmm. sidelines, just with his arms crossed. And I could see him just like when, whether his team's down by 20 and needing a run or like up by 20 and just kind of going through, he just has, he's just even keeled. He's right? that parent. I that's see- like, I'm not mad. I'm just very disappointed. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is he's like, much if more teams, effective. If his, team's playing so... ter- if his team's playing terribly. Yeah. He's just like, Shaking his head. Yeah, he's you not know, a like, Tom Izzo or he's calmly, just going to yell your ear off. He'll he's just, just calmly like sub out all five of the starters if they're playing like crap. He's like five, 
go in, you know, just like things like that. And like at a time during timeouts, I could just see him like, Hey guys, guys, we're right there. Just, just clean just things it. up, just blah, blah, it. blah. Give me the whiteboard, all that. Like, I don't know. I see Dave Aranda as a perfect basketball mm-hmm. coach, but then again, I could see him as a perfect soccer coach. I could see him as a perfect baseball coach. I could see him just like that calm demeanor, just put him in any uniform or any outfit environment. And it's like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think Dave Aranda was for me. He's the one that popped to my head. Y'all remember when uh, Jay Wright won that title at Villanova yes. and like, he yes. didn't like, he didn't change his face at all. Like his, yes. you know, like, the buzzer beater goes like, in. He's just like, that. that's <laughs> like Dave Aranda when they won that sugar bowl or whatever, that picture yeah. where the Gatorade's getting dumped on him and he like yeah. has no facial expression. So it's just coming yeah, over. Incredible. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I guess in my mind, I went to like who I think would be the best basketball playing coaches in the state. And Interesting. this okay. is, is going to be Homer-ish, but Jeff Trailer can ball, man. He was he's my like, second ooh. pick. He's like 6'2", okay. 6'3". He, I mean, he may love basketball more than football. Like he, like if we gave him truth serum and like made him pick which sport he likes most, like it yeah. may be better. Like if you, you ever want to get Jeff Trailer talking, just ask him about Michael Jordan. Like his kid's name is Jordan. Like one of his kids' names ah. is Jordan. Like he okay. loves basketball. Like they play as a staff. Like he plays with the McCowns when he, like he is a basketball playing dude. So, and he likes analytics. He's an offensive guy. So I think he would play a fun style of ball. But the sure. real answer here, the the absolute correct answer here is in <laughs> Denton, Texas. It's Eric Morris. It's Eric Morris. Really? You think it's Eric Morris? His dad is a state championship winning basketball coach. That's fair. Eric Morris, okay. hit, a, okay. Eric Morris hit a game-winning shot in a state championship game. <laughs> like, That's right. okay. Give me okay. that guy. That's a good one. Give me okay. that, give one me that guy uh, to coach basketball. I think he's also got that same kind of demeanor. We were, he's not quite Dave Aranda. Uh, but he's yeah. not somebody who's going to freak out on the sidelines. Yeah. He's got more of an analytical mind to it. He's got a good, uh, uh, you know, psyche about him. But yeah, you yeah. grow up with a dad who's coaching basketball. Give me the give me the son of the basketball coach and the state championship winning basketball player. Okay, I'll tell you a... somebody who. Go yeah, no, go ahead. go ahead, go ahead. I'll save mine for. I was going to say, you know, somebody who would be absolutely incredible to watch. I don't know how good of a coach he'd be. But I would just pay to watch him on the sidelines, Joe McGuire, because okay. like his emotion <laughs> would not be able to be contained at all. He averaged like a tech every month. Yeah, I feel right. like he'd be right He's a there, the right there. As oh my god, he is red <laughs> in the face constantly. His oh my, he refs would hate Joey McGuire. I think. <laughs> Are you, can, can you get a get back coach in basketball? Like how does right, that work? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just needs he, somebody. He right would need there. somebody like hold, like bringing him back. He'd be tripping players and stuff like yeah, that. I was about to say, yeah, exactly. He'd be on the court. He's like, coach, this is the eighth time this get back, <laughs> get right. back. Right. Or um, I was going to say, I'm put, putting both of you kind of on the spot here. Who do you think yeah. is the best college football, college basketball duo in the state? Oh, like oh, like, okay. like 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 coaching for like a single school, yeah, right. Ooh. So like Eric Morris and Grant McCaslin at North Texas. Yeah, McGuire and him at Tech. Yeah, McGuire and Grant <laughs> McCaslin at Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah I knew be. that was gonna come out. I knew that was gonna come out. Now, I mean, the answer is probably Baylor, right? Aranda and Drew. Yeah, Aranda and Scott Drew, probably. Um, yeah, right now, Samson's up there. Yeah. I feel like uh, Samson's kind of carrying that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, as far as like even keel, like yeah, I probably say Aranda Drew, and mm-hmm. then Sark Terry's right now. We're probably up there right now as well, because um, obviously Terry's not the full time head coach, but he's you know obviously doing what he's doing. And Sark wink, wink, trending, wink, up. wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. Rodney no, Terry's no surprise the there. Like, <laughs> oh, he should. Yeah. He should absolutely. He should absolutely. Oh, be. I would bet every single cent I own that he already has that behind the scenes that he's yeah. the head coach at, at basketball coach. Every single very cent dumb. I own. It'd be very dumb if they didn't. So yeah, yeah I, I agree. So I think yeah, I would put Aranda, Drew, Sark, Terry right now. Um, one and two. Well, actually, I don't know. No, Dykes, uh, 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 Dixon, Jamie Dixon. Yeah. That's yeah, a good one too. I'll put, yeah. I'll put that one number two. What am I th- what am I saying? Yeah. Dykes Dixon. So yeah, there's my number two. When when North Texas's basketball coach does go to Texas Tech in the next 48 hours or whenever they finish in Las Vegas. I was about to say, when is the uh, NIT? Because like they the, Jeff Goodman said they'll tweet out, like basically they'll tweet it out the second they're eliminated. Yeah, which means which means it's done. Which means it's all which it means right. it's done. Where would that rank in the basketball power rankings right there? I think it kind of depends on the category. Well, I meant like Drew, like I think Drew Aranda's number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would would Dykes, Dykes Dixon, Dixon number two? Would it be still Dykes Dixon or or are we? I think it'd be moving? Dykes Dixon number two, and then close third. I think third McGuire McCaslin. There's so much unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still potential. so. There's still. I mean, McGuire so far, so far, so good. Um, but I I don't know if I'd have enough to like. Like right now, would you say like? Because I think it just comes down to like, what do you think of Sark versus McGuire? You know, like yeah. that's kind of like, it's like Sark probably trending up, but obviously McGuire had the better first season than Sark, had, you know, like things like that. Um, so I would think there's a, probably a two-way tie for third, in my opinion, um, between Texas and Tech at that point. No yeah. UTSA up there? We're not we're not getting UTSA in there and all? I mean, if Jeff Trailer wants to coach the men's basketball team too, he might, <laughs> might as well. He might have better luck than Steve Vincent. Oh, man. <laughs> That's what he should do, and he'll just take that money and put it in the indoor. <laughs> there we go. Listen, listen yeah, if it. you can go to Lisa Campos and say, look, how about you actually just get rid of him, and I'll just yeah. step over. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll give you 1.5 for football, $1 million for <laughs> basketball, and then we'll just put the basketball salary into the indoor, and we're all we're all happy. <laughs> Look, oh, we got some texts to send out. We we know how to fix this. We know how to fix this down in San Antonio. Yeah. They can maybe get a – eventually in the future, they can get a better gym too. So we'll That's see. why they should have hired me as general manager. I'm still a little <laughs> mad that I never even – I didn't even get an interview or anything like that. Jeff, come on now. You got our number. You especially got Craven's number at the very yeah, end. Yeah, so right, now. right. I'm not sure uh, he heard that I was a little perturbed by that, and they sent a message to me. They were like, uh, you didn't want to work that hard. <laughs> he knows you very well. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you, got, you got a pretty decent job right now. You don't, wanna, you, don't wanna, you don't wanna deal with all that kind of stuff. That's probably true. Like, who, man, by the way, before we get off this, yeah, being a general manager in college football right now seems like that sounds like the world. Like, that sounds insane. If we're being honest, it, like I mean, like I was with SMU last week. Go read that story. Soft, soft yeah. plug there. Um, I got to hang out with Alex Brown a decent amount, and he's kind of yeah. their, their general manager that at, at SMU. And I know he's doing a lot more than this, so I don't want to simplify his job to like just doing this. But he's basically getting to play career mode in NCAA football. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that—that's what he's doing. You know, like right. he's watching a bunch of tape and it's like, hey, we should look at this guy. We should look mm-hmm. at that. You know. Like he's he's kind of becoming like legit, like a general man, like a GM, yeah, doing personnel stuff uh, for SMU. And I'm just sitting there talking to him. I was like, man, I chose the wrong path, but that path didn't exist <laughs> right. 15 years ago. You can about to say general guys. managers just like because like now the transfer portal's a thing. Now all these mm-hmm. other things are going on. Like you, yeah, you just need somebody to kind of handle all of that and just kind of have your hand in everything. So yeah, it's that's, that is kind of nuts, man. Yeah, that sounds all changing that sounds landscape. Awesome. They basically have a front office at SMU. 
that's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. And some teams like a spent like a uh Texas basketball, like they're like Chris Ogden's the general manager of Texas basketball, you know. Yeah. So it's like they're kind of doing uh who's the guy at Vanderbilt? Um former two four seven guy. Barton Simmons. Barton Simmons, yeah. He got hired to be their general manager. And it's like are they like it used to be a running joke, like they're making up titles. And sure, to some extent, yeah, these guys don't just do one thing and some titles are meaningless. They kind of do everything. But in some cases, no, general manager, yeah, they just kind of, like you mentioned, they're just kind of involved in all of it. So it is, yeah, that's that's kind of a nuts reality that I'm assuming most schools will eventually get around to having having their own. New frontier. Yep. All right, so that'll do it for us. We will be out next week. Craven will be on a much-deserved vacation. And uh, I'm trying to think. You have We have Eyes of the Texas coming out this week. We should have another Gambling Gauchos coming out this week. And we'll see what's, what else is in the pipeline, what else we get to officially announce by the time the week is over. Uh, like I said, subscribe to all of that stuff. Uh, we got some really good stuff in the pipes. Um, thanks for, by the way, just thanks in general. Uh, the reception has been really good on the Republic of Football Network. So we appreciate you guys listening there. Follow all the social accounts for all the shows on the network. You know, those guys still tweet out from their accounts and they'll still have extra episodes on their accounts uh, as far as Alamo Audible and Gambling Gauchos. And now they have subscriptions, so they'll have extra stuff on their Patreons and things like that. So just be sure to subscribe wherever you would like and support the whole network. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, please, please. We won't ask about Bobby Petrino maybe more than once. Uh, I can't say we won't because <laughs> that won't be doing our journalistic integrity. But we will, we'll only ask one question about him if you hop on. So if you would like to be the 13th and final FBS head coach, please come on. And with that being said, go Rutgers. And we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. 